Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Deputy Editor Dave Schofield coming at you once again, as usual, with his big brother Rich. How's it going, big brosco? Hey, it's going. It's uh it's been a rough week, uh rough week here. Um, Super Bowl was fun, had a nice little get together just here with the family, and um that was fun. I actually watched the entire game. I could uh, probably the last time I watched the entire Super Bowl game was probably the last time the Steelers were in the Super Bowl. So yes, which would have been nine seasons ago. Correct. So and, and um, uh, yeah, it, I thought it was a pretty good game. Well, first of all, before we get into anything with that, I do want to apologize if we're getting started a little bit late. I was having some technical technical issues with my internet connection. Um, being able to use our service that we use. I had to do a reset on my system once it, and that cleared everything up. Then we were dealing with some, some, um, microphone some feedback, some feedback, feedback issues on my uh, end. So things just weren't coming together very good tonight, but you know what? We're here. We're good. We're here. We've got it taken care of. Let's talk so, Steeler football. Let's talk Steeler football. Well, we'll take a few minutes here at the beginning just to, just to talk about since you actually got to watch the Super Bowl. Um, cause it wasn't two teams that, or a team that you despise and didn't want to see. So what overall impression? Actually, overall impression, it was, it was a decently entertaining game. Like I actually enjoyed it and was like, Hey, this is really a football game, you know? And sometimes I get real upset because you get used to watching, you know, you, you watch the NFL and there's a certain style all year. And then suddenly you get to the Super Bowl and it, the games don't seem to fit what you've been seeing on TV all year. <laughs> yeah. Last year was a prime example, I think. Exactly. This year, like, it was like, you know, watching a regular season football game, but with the added, you know, pressure of, hey, it's the Super Bowl. So, Uh, Exactly, and it kind of played out. It's funny, things that I thought, part of it played out a little bit how I did, and then part of it I was completely wrong, totally 100% wrong. And that's that's football. I thought that if any team was capable of a comeback, it was it would be the Chiefs because the Chiefs did make the comeback. And then when the 49ers had a chance to answer, they were not able to do that. Right. It was a four-point game with less than two minutes to go. That's oh, yeah. Yes, it ended up 11 points. So the score didn't look like it was nearly as close as what it was. It was very entertaining. I One call that I said – if it was, I said, if it would go over, it would be the Chiefs. Under, it would be the 49ers. And of course, it went under, but was the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, if the 49ers could have scored another touchdown there to try to get it to within one score, it would have hit the over. But the other thing that I said I could guarantee and I completely whiffed on was I, I said, if anything, that's for sure, San Francisco will own the time of possession. And they did not. No, they did not. They did not. No. So that was interesting to see. The I think the most disappointing thing to me to where things got out of how they were was, and it was to me a, a real turning point in the game, was when Kansas City scored a touchdown to make it 20 to 17. And they forced a three and out on the 49ers mm-hmm. because they went two passes in one run. I know, and you could you could gripe about that, but I'm sorry if not for the spectacular play of the defensive lineman batting that ball down on second yeah. down, 
It's yeah. a first down. Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah. wasn't a bad call. It was just no. like, Hmm, it almost, but that's one of those things that, that I don't blame them for what they did, but you look back at it. I know some people had some problems with the officiating. Um, it's funny because it did not look like offensive pass interference at the end of the first half when you were looking from the sideline view, but really? when you had the other view, I called the- it, I called it live to Kyle mm-hmm. before the, before you even saw the flag come out. I said, they got, I, I said, they got to throw that one. Yeah. Well, when they showed the replay from, you, you from, totally from the official's perspective, and I say I say it because the one camera angle, you see him do that, and you see part of the official in the screen taking out the flag, taking out throw the flag it. before like, the catch is even made. And I'm like, and that is the view. That's the view he saw, and from that view, that's what it looked like. Yeah, I would, um, I, would, I would thought the live view on TV because you saw mm-hmm. that very last second burst yeah. of separation. Mm-hmm with the arm up and, and and you just knew it was. And well, so, so I, I, yes, that one hurt yet. Yes, it was there. But honestly, again, as a Steeler fan, it didn't care really who won the ball game. You know, yeah, I was, yeah, that was the right. I've call. seen a lot now, worse. My bigger <laughs> issue were a couple of the missed calls. Yes. The one that bugged me the most was the missed false start. Um, there was a missed false start. There was, there was a missed, um, delay of game. That was more than a second pass. You know back. what? But that would have benefited the team that had the delay. Of game. I, I know, but did so you, I don't really care. About did that. you notice there though? Mm-hmm. It, it actually really, I don't think it really was more than a second, but it was, so they it did was longer show, than I was used to. Well, and it seemed a lot longer when they slowed it down. They actually slowed it down. And did a picture and did the uh, back judge there in the mm-hmm. in the shot, and you could see him looking past the play and at the play clock as they're trained to do. And this happens once in a while in the regular season too, which is why I'm not so upset with it because they're they're trying to look at the clock, and when the clock goes zero, then look, then look down, then look down for movement. And sorry, that little bit is. You, know, you saw yeah. him like he was ready and going to throw the flag, and then he didn't throw the flag, and it was probably because it was a, a you know, the play went. Yeah. So, um, to, but to me, again, because of how it turned out, that it's like, oh man, they should have threw the flag because then it wouldn't have mattered. And uh, but, yeah, that's hindsight. No, but I mean, really, you want the team that should have had a penalty called on them to benefit from having a penalty called on them? That shouldn't be an argument. You no. know what I'm saying? If anything, Correct. they got away with it, and then they had the turnover. Um, there was a play that uh, the, that a lot of people were talking about, and it was actually the go-ahead touchdown. There was actually offensive pass interference because Travis Kelsey started blocking down close to the goal line before um, – why can't I remember the running back's name? All of a sudden, Williams, Williams, before he caught the ball. I didn't see it at the time, but I saw it critiqued later. Um, I know they talked about it on uh, WDVE this morning. They had um, – um, one of but, the uh, official breakdown people there. Here's so. part. Here's part of the thing in, in that play and how that goes down there. Okay, I didn't even notice how how far was Kelsey from the line? About three or four yards. Okay. Yeah. So but it was. You, you have to remember too. How many officials are on the field? Uh, is it six? Okay. I'm, 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 I'm that, that's a shot in the dark. <laughs> okay. How many players are on the field? 
Uh, twenty-two. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's no there's no way yeah. officials can have eyes on every single piece part of the game. There, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even hear or pay any attention or even notice that one. Yeah. And that, that wasn't was... one. I, that wasn't one I was hearing much about. Yeah. Um, heard more folks talking about about the PI call. That mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to get to some Steeler stuff. There's Me a too. couple of things I want to address in the live Thanks chat real quick. Super Bowl for a second yeah, because I mean, that would, you and I haven't talked since the Super Bowl, so this is just two brothers talking about what they saw. A um, couple things. Ali, I did see that report on Bleacher Report. I was going to see if anyone was covering it for the website. If not, I might have to do something about it, where uh, where they said <laughs> – it's so funny because I've said this over and over again. The national media has no clue what's really going on with the Steelers. You know, how many times did we see it when they were trying to critique stuff with the Steelers quarterback situation this year or other things? Um, People talk about Juju not realizing he was hurt all year, that he hurt himself in week one and was trying to play through it. People that don't, that aren't tuned into the team don't really know. And they basically, in the Bleacher Report said, uh, one troublesome spot for the Steelers is that they still have no cornerback to go opposite of Joe Hayden. Oh, don't you know what? Don't you know what? What? Okay. Don't you know what happened with the Bleacher Report there? (laughs) Okay. They pulled up an article from last from last offseason and 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 published it by mistake. Oh, was that what it was? What everybody was saying last year. I missed that. I don't. I don't know. No, if it was, I don't, I I don't know go if back for certain it. what happened, but that's the first thing that comes to yeah. my head with what happens there I'm, because that was the talk at this time last year. Yeah, we need a corner opposite Joe Hayden. Okay. Yep. But we got that corner. Yes. So, I, and in my I, opinion, he had a better year than Joe Hayden. I'm so. going to hope that they made a mistake and put an old article out there. Versus actually saying that, because if they actually said that, then that's just terrible. Yeah. So, but that's, you get that from national media a lot that they don't really understand what's going on. Like, like they'll say, well, you know, and you'll see it with, with, um, with different people trying to say stuff on the pregame shows and stuff like that. Well, with the Steelers, they blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what's going on at all. It's crazy. Um, Another thing that was brought up earlier that I have to say for vodka drinker. Yes. Not only did I ride the exercise bike this morning, I also rode it this afternoon. So I got my two workouts in today. That was something I said, um, Jeff's been killing me. Jeff's been, been killing me on trying to get some fitness, fitness stuff going on, but let's talk. Let's get into my wheelhouse a little bit, which is funny because it's my wheelhouse when it comes to football, but it's the like least stats driven part of football. And that is the play of the offensive line. You don't have good stats to go with offensive line. No. You know, what you have what penalties, things like that. So it's it's really difficult you know, you can, you can to break it down. You can technically get into looking at running game and sacks and, and things I like that. Both of but these things ready to go. Right. But you also have to remember when you're looking to those things that there's other there are more factors than just the offensive line that play into that. Yes, so. there are. So, but they, these are things that do factor. But I, that was going to be my disclaimer when I when I Correct. threw these out to you is that this isn't the be all end all of everything. Like for example, sacks, surrendered. How many times is it because the quarterback held on the ball too long? Because the receivers weren't open because of good coverage? That it wasn't a problem for the for the offensive line. You just don't know how many what they call coverage sacks they have. So, but in in all, the Steelers gave up 32 sacks on the season. That's two a game. They had a couple games they didn't give up any. They didn't give up any more than four in any one game. 
That was uh, ninth in the NFL right. for a number of sacks given up. Now, if if you want to look at, and we're going to look at some of these numbers because uh, one, Brian Anthony Davis hooked me up with some uh, pro football focus information that I can now go in and have at my fingertips, which is very nice. Um, ninth was also the, the rank of the Steelers offensive line on the season. So you're okay. like, oh, ninth best offensive line? That I thought it was a worse year than that. Well, it all depends on how you rank stuff. And they ranked third in the pass. Now they did, I couldn't find because you have to have a super duper subscription in order to get breakdown stuff even more. They were third in pass blocking rank wise um, behind the Ravens and the Saints. But they were ninth overall. So what that tells you is the run blocking was way down. So, right. I mean, if, if you're looking at, at average, the, it would have to be at least 15th. If you, if you, if you're taking the average of the two, um, but I don't know if that's the case or not, because I w- wasn't able to, to get that information, but I did bring up something else with the run game. And this is something sometimes defenses just make a play, but I think when it comes to the run game, a lot of things that could do with the offensive line is what happens when you have rushes of zero yards or less negative run plays or no gains. So I went through and looked that up at something I'd done partway through the season, but I'd never finished out for the season of how the Steelers had done with that. Um, They ended up taking out kneel downs. I, I was able to take those out of the equation. Okay. The Steelers had 84 rushing plays of zero yards or negative yards. Oh. 84. Uh, boy, I wish you would have told me that because I knew it was high. Yeah, it was 84. Now, that was the sixth most in the NFL. Wow, I can't I can't believe there were folks that were worse than that. Well, here's what's crazy. Guess who number one was? I'll give you a hint. Well, you watched him play a couple days ago. Oh, okay. Probably, well, I'm trying to remember. Well, but uh, if I were to guess, I'd probably say San Francisco just because they run the ball so much. Exactly. San Francisco's number one. They were just under 100 plays to where right, they but, had but zero then, negative then you, yards. But see, then you can get into looking and say, okay, well, how, how many times did San Francisco rush the ball? Exactly. How many times did the Steelers rush the ball? Exactly. So, yeah. so unfortunately, without having going in and looking up every single thing for every single team and calculating it myself to get the percentage of plays – that they did. Now I had the run plays here somewhere for the Steelers, the number of rushes they had on the season. If I can look back and actually find it. Uh, let's see. That's passes. That's some other stuff. They were, they were 395 attempts is what the Steelers had. So basically to round it off about, would you say about 20% of their run plays were for, I mean, if you're talking, you know, 84 out of, I could do the math real quick out of 395, you know, I'm, I'm, that's sitting there close to 20%. Yeah. So someone out there with a calculator, <laughs> do it, throw it in the live chat. Yeah, sure, sure. Maybe, of- yeah. Give it, yeah. Don't let the two stat geeks try to do the math in their head, <laughs> the physics major and the math major. Yeah, here. no, I mean, um, I'm estimating and I think I have it estimated pretty good of, like I said, 84 out of 395. Is is what that would be? Yeah, because if you, yeah, yeah, yeah because you're, you're about because, right. because it would be it would be 20, yeah, like ninety eight right. would be twenty five. We're, we're we're in that we're in that you know twenty percent plus or minus one percent basically. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I think it's might be slightly above 20 if I had to do it in my head, but that's, 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 that's not good. No, that's not good. That's not good. That 20% of the time you go to run the ball, you're not getting any yardage. One out of five now, times. I mean, if I went in and, and I could have even included, you know, only a one yard gain because unless it's third or second or fourth or whatever, and one, Wes wanted another question. The question was, what percentage is 84 out of 395? That was the question. Um, unless it's a unless it's an and one, not, not like basketball, meaning it's like third and one, and you get one yard, one yard is not a successful play. So that's just one of those things, which if you look at the rankings, now some people like pro football focus rankings. Some people despise the, the pro football focus rankings. I'm not going to critique their rankings right now because really they're all we, we kind of got when it comes to offensive line. So take it for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth. But, but with the, well, let's just say at least looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers starters, every single one of them was ranked. Let me see. Let's see the closest one. Every single one of them was ranked um, better in the past than in the run. And by at least seven points in their rankings, with most of them being around 15 or more, better at the run than the pass. So that's just what it is. There, the off this offensive line is is a great offensive line when it comes to protecting the pass, not so much as the run, because they're not the big brawlers and they're not asked to fire off the line of scrimmage very much. Right. Now there was one. There was hold up, hold on. I, I I yes, I don't want to lie to you. Yes, there was one player on the Steelers, one offensive lineman that had a much higher grade for run blocking than pass blocking. And it just so happened to be the only the the, the Steeler that had the highest grade for as a run blocker by oh my goodness, by almost by by over nine points on their, the way they rank it, which I do think is, goes up to like a hundred. So it'd be like a percentage. Uh, yeah. uh, Wes tells us that percentage was 21.3. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> I don't doubt you. So I've learned my lesson here. I'm, I'm, I'm even going to look here to see if the, if the live chat has any idea who this is, who I, do you think, right? I, I, I got it there down to two, the best run blocker on the Steelers. So I'm trying to then narrow it from the two to pick one. All right, if you're going to make me guess one of the two right off the bat, uh, for, I'm going first and I'm going with uh, DeCastro. It is not DeCastro. Then it's Filer. Filer has the he has the highest run pass block rating of any of the starters, but he does not have the highest run pass uh, or run block. Uh, uh, so, so it's not a starter. Okay. Which should well, tell you who it is. Not, not a regular. Because the story. crowd loves him. <laughs> That's... The no, vodka was knows. the first one I see that had it out there. No, stop. Yeah, the, stop. The, the the highest ranked offensive lineman when it came to, to run blocking was one Zach the Hulk banner. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to, to me, then just means one thing. Because now we're going to hear it, hear it, hear it. All right. 
Okay, so that if that means that we got to play Banner more, then what we got to no, do? No, I'm not is we saying gotta, we need to play Banner yeah. more. No, but some people are going to say that. <laughs> no, oh, we need to play Banner more. Okay, if people are going to go that route, then the, then I'm telling you right now, find a spot for him on the starting offensive line if that's what you feel. Well, yeah, well, we do not need mm-hmm. more of the tackle of the tackle eligible. Exactly. If he needs to play more, it needs to be in under under a regular position and not the yes. extra tight end. But yep. yes, he had a 74.0 ranking um on pass on oh, sorry, on run blocking, but his pass blocking was only 54.4, which is funny. You're like, uh he was in the game for passes. Yeah, I think there was 20 some passes he was in the game for and 200 and some runs. So really, obviously, I, I even would have thought 20 was a high number. I'd have yeah. put it at about a dozen. Yeah. But uh he actually technically out of all the Steelers had the highest overall ranking score-wise of 78.3. But the problem was, which is funny because that's higher than either of his individual rankings, which to me didn't make sense. Um, But he didn't actually get a a placing. You know, like he he couldn't be like – he wasn't like 35th amongst tackles because he did not play enough to qualify – to get in there now so dragon jay-z brings up and i I agree if if you got to get him on the line the thing to do is to put him at right tackle and slide filer over to 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 guard to take ramon foster's spot which is crazy but he's actually a better left tackle than a right tackle because that's why he could play both and they wanted to use him as the extra tight end but if it wasn't for being the extra tight end if they notice what happens when they wanted to have another right tackle Chooks Okorafor was never even active for like, except for like two games all season, right. one of which he started and played every snap and played pretty well. According to pro football focus, he did all right. He was in the fifties. He wasn't, I mean, they had him ranked higher than, um, than higher than Finney, higher than a couple other people that we'll get to a little bit. Um, let, let's break this down here. Okay. We already hit it. Highest ranked because we 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 answered it indirectly according to Pro Football Focus. Highest ranked offensive lineman on the Steelers this past year was, you guessed it right, it was Matt Filer. Matt Filer was ranked the highest. He uh, he had the second highest pass grading, but by but the highest run grading. Um, his pass grading was 80.7. His run was 64.9. This is of the starters, of those that started many games. He was the 20th highest tackle in the NFL. Now, remember, every every, every NFL team started two. two. So you're talking about 64. And not far behind him was Al Villanueva at the 24th. Um so he wasn't that far behind him. He was right there with him with the pass blocking. It was the run blocking that got Big Al this past mm-hmm. season. Because um, you got to remember that left tackle, they often get a lot of tough matchups on the pass blocking. And people thought he was struggling. He he did all right with the pass block. He did struggle with his run blocking some this year. Now the highest when it comes to, he wasn't the highest graded, but he was the highest ranked lineman of the Steelers was DeCastro was 15th among guards. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he was 15th and he had a he had an overall of 71. And then Foster had a major drop off from last year. He was 50th with a ranking of 59. Yeah, he had a 67 pass rating and a 51.9 run rating. 
which was which is not good. So if you think about every team having two guards, and you want to look at him and say, hey, let's let's take out all the first team guards. He was way down there in the second team guards. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he would have been 18th among the well, not so I'm, there there had to be a lot of guards where they had two on a team ranked higher than him. And some of them it could have maybe even been three. But it's hard to say. But here's where it gets really interesting with good old Marquise Pouncey. And the problem with with Pouncey is you only play one center. Yeah. So there's your so you're thinking there's 32. But there's more than that because guys getting starts and injuries and all that fun exactly. stuff. Exactly. So how far, how far below 32 was he? He was 36th. That's bad. 36th. That's, that's rough. He had and, the and lowest. He, and he was the one that he and Foster were the two on the line that you could constantly see in games struggling. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 someone I can't remember who it was. It might have even been Flip in a comment or something. Said shockingly, Pouncey ended up helping more on DeCastro's side than he did on Foster's side. And I'm like, well, maybe that was part of the reason why Foster's numbers were were lower. That might have been it. But yeah, if you look at it, his his overall meaning both with both pass and run was 51.5. It was worse than Foster's because if you want to go overall, it went. Filer at 75.2, Villanueva at 74, DeCastro at 71, Foster at 59, and then Pouncey at 51.5. And what is crazy, and it was listed as a center, B.J. Finney ranked higher. He was the 32nd center at 56.9. And Finney didn't always play center. Personally, I think Finney's a better guard. I think Filer's a better guard than tackle, um, but I could be completely wrong with that one. Um, I feel more confident with saying that I, I feel that Finney's the better guard than center, just from when he's had to fill in. Like when David Castro, he's a solid He's a solid fill in. He's not your starter. Yeah, but BJ Finney is now an unrestricted free agent. He is right. not on the Steelers roster. Although, you know, at the end of the year, Mike Tomlin says, hey, they're, they're Steelers until they're not. Keep using the facilities, all those things. But unfortunately, I'd love to see them keep Finney. We're going to talk about that a little bit later about who to keep and who not to keep. But so then you got Finney, but then you also have your highest ranked offensive lineman, Matt Filer. He's technically not under contract with the Steelers. He's a restricted free agent. So they have to decide what tender they want to offer for him um, in order for him to return next year. And they're going to have to have the cap space for that and all those things. So the offensive line, there, here's my philosophy. And you tell me what you think, if you agree. Um, totally I disagree. feel oh, – <laughs> That sounds like you. Um, I feel that the reason the offensive line looked worse – to the eye test and what they did even with their rankings was because the way the Steelers season went down with the injury to Ben Roethlisberger, that the Steelers needed to rely on the run more and they couldn't because the strength of this offensive line is to pass block. Well, you got to think about it. We talked about years. We had issues on the line, issues on the line, issues on the line, and Ben was getting creamed and this, that, and everything else. And basically we finally put a line together in a way that was like, 
we're going to keep our quarterback clean. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's like, okay, guys, change of philosophy. We got to run the ball a lot more. And yeah. We couldn't. And well, and the other problem is they had that philosophy and look, they spent, they spent high draft picks, but it's been a while because yeah. they had those guys producing. And not only that, they are the look, the Steelers offensive line this year had two first round picks and three undrafted free agents. That yeah. was their starters. Yeah. And their and their two backups were an undrafted free agent in BJ Finney and uh Zach Banner, which I'm not hundred percent sure he was an undrafted. I, he he didn't start off with the Steelers. I don't think he was drafted. Someone could probably tell me for sure, but he wasn't originally signed with the Steelers is what I was going to say. Um, then you had usually inactive, a third round pick in Chooks. And early on in the season, they had another undrafted free agent that had a lot of promise that they had, that they exposed the waivers and lost in Fred Johnson, who's now a Cincinnati Bengal. So they've been building their line through either, the top of the top or diamonds in the rough. Yeah. And that's what they've done. And I mean, Ramon Foster beat out, was it a third round draft pick his rookie year to make the team? Um, who's still in the league. He's a free agent this year. AQ Shipley. Um, Foster beat oh, him out. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Yeah. I was sitting there who was it? And you says like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've done some great things with that, but, the other problem is, is Filer's the only starter that's under 30. So it's coming to a time when the Steelers are going to need to reinvest into their offensive line. And needing to do that is kind of... Uh, and again, whether of, they do it mm-hmm. through the draft, through finding those diamonds in the rough, or a combination of the two is going to need to be done. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to need to be done. I think this year you're going to see them draft one if not multiple offensive linemen in this draft, which is kind of you're like, eh, when they, when you don't have a first round pick, but you got two fourths. And sometimes that's a place where you can find people. Um they haven't been hitting the home runs with with late draft picks. Like one of my favorite Steelers when he was a Steeler was Kelvin Beecham that, you know, one of the very oh, last man. picks in the draft and was a starting left tackle. And and still in the league. Yeah. Exactly. And uh uh, I don't know that, and, and he's what led to the Steelers being able to draft James Conner because he gave them that comp pick with right. the with the contract that he got, gave them the third round pick. So it's something that the Steelers, even if they were to keep things intact, which we'll talk about here in a little while, even if even if they're going to keep things intact, that it's something they need to reinvest in because of the age of the people that they got. Right. So agreed. I do. Okay. Well, this is what we were going to do. We were going to talk. We were going to set this up. What we're going to do now, we're going to do the two shows tonight. Yep, we're, we're going to, we're going to wrap this one up. Wrap we're it going up. To reset, reset. But I'm going to tell you what we're talking about in the next show. We're going to do a Q and a where we're going to, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to live chat to chime in with some, with some of the stuff, but I'm going to tell you what we're talking about. What we're talking about in the next one is I've got the numbers of, all the all the contracts for this year, the dead money, the cap savings, everything else, we're going to go through and we're going to say, all right, 
Are we keeping? Are we letting go? What are we going to do? That's going to be our Q&A coming up. We're going to take this to the next level with the offensive line and to say, who's going to be on the Steelers in 2020? So for those of you that are one that, that are all about that, take the few minutes in between, say, oh, I want to check on something. Look up your stats if you I know Wes is the kind of guy he'll look yeah, up. Yeah, Wes has probably got a notebook for um, him right now. See, Ron's another guy that might do that. Um, yeah. look at some Bo and some of these guys that we see in there. Uh Dragon Jay Z's been having some good stuff tonight. Yeah, Ryan he's, Kellerman, he's been on it. Steeler fans. I'm gonna miss someone. Mean Joe. Um all, all these guys that are usually in here, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back with something for us. Good. So anything else you want to say before we close this one off and go to the next one? Uh, no, I uh, think we did a nice job covering the line. We'll get into talking about the O-line a little more as we start getting into these numbers because, you know, we're talking about revamping. What do we do? How do we do it? Salary cap comes into play. So yep. as well, we said, our, our famous question. Where are we going to get the money? Yeah, with what money are we going to do with it? What money? With what money? With what money? So, so I mean, I, I, I think we covered the best numbers that we could for 2019. But what I really want to do is let's look at 2020. Yep. Let's look at 2020. Now, so now for those of you that are still here, as we get to uh, get to move on, make sure you are helping us out by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, giving the good rating on on any of the the podcast forums. Uh, for those of you that are listening in podcast, if you're listening to this Wednesday morning, there's a good chance. I don't know exactly when um, the second part's going to be available. Usually, uh, like we do with the on, with the Sealers preview, there'll be the, the second half of this will be coming out in the afternoon. So, if you're one of those people that listen to podcasts on your commute, you can hit one on the way to work and oh, one yeah. on the way back. On the way home. So, uh, so hopefully you'll have that available for you. We thank you all for tuning in and hopefully we'll see you in just a few minutes. Good night.